This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Wednesday, folks, and you know what that means. Welcome into a brand new episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show, and like most other Wednesdays, we are joined by our fake doctor, the one, the only, Merrick Brave. Before I introduce Merrick, we always introduce Merrick first. Jake, let me ask you, man, how you doing today, my friend? What an honor. What an absolute honor. Well, it's Wednesday. There's the three of us hanging out, and I'm feeling pretty good, man. We're on a three-game winning streak, us being the Dolphins, because obviously we hit the field every Sunday. Uh, but, man, it's it's a fun time to be a fan, and, you know, I just wish the Browns were kind of like old Browns, not new, mediocre Browns, because that's the type of team that would beat the Dolphins. But, Merrick, how about you? How you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, you did say we hit the field every week, and I almost feel like I do. I've been into the last two games uh detroit and chicago it's, you caught a pass be, too so that counts I, I i did catch a pass i i don't more than hunter that. long can say right <laughs> exactly i think i've caught more passes than hunter long over the last couple weeks but uh yeah we're here we're we're ready to entertain the people are you the people ready to be entertained answer that in your vehicles or your bedrooms or wherever you're listening we won't be able to hear you but but we'll feel you deep inside wait strike that from the record <laughs> Oh, my God. Hunter Long, deep down inside. Here we are. Here we are. What a strong start. But, gentlemen, we're at a kind of interesting part of the season because uh, unless there's, like, some ground-shaking thing, we're kind of, like, set in a sense. Like, we know what this team is. We know what's going to happen. Uh, we already got Jeff Bosa Jr. We already got Bradley Chubb. So, I mean, now it's just about moving forward. So, I put together a couple topics here. We're going to get into some running back talk. I want to talk a little salary cap middle of the season because we know how fun that is. And we'll wrap up with a four-game winning streak. But on Monday, Josh and I spoke about this a little bit. So, Merrick, I'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, short and sweet, did Miami discover its third starting running back of the season with Jeff Wilson's success on Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I talked about it with you guys last time I was on that I felt like the Jeff Wilson acquisition was more of a way to keep Raheem Mostert's legs fresh through the rest of the season, he had been kind of shouldering the load for the last few weeks because Chase Edmonds wasn't doing anything. So acquiring Jeff Wilson, who hit the ground running, pun intended, maybe uh, he knows the scheme. He's familiar with Mike McDaniel. He came in and I was not expecting him 
to only get a handful of carries. I fully expected the type of game that he had against Chicago where he took a, a good amount uh, of work away from Raheem Mostert and he was effective with those carries, which I think is the most important thing because like we talked about, Chase Edmonds just wasn't it for this team, this scheme, and Jeff Wilson seems to be a perfect fit. So I'm excited to see what he does going forward and I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. There's Josh, I'm going to cut you off real quick. There's two things that really confuse me about football. One, it's how players like Trey Flowers can be called a, a linebacker where he's more of that edge guy. And two, it's that we're calling Jeff Wilson a bruiser. bruiser. I think Josh compared him to Jay Ajayi. And coming into this edition, I had no idea just how physical this guy was. I thought he'd be another finesse guy that kind of just, you know, would work through those lanes, get through the tackles. But man, he is a heavy hitter. Josh, what are you seeing? Yeah, I was going to say, I think I really just wanted to make that comparison to JHI because deep down, I love that man. Uh, More pickle actually, juice. Actually, I have one of it. Yeah, I'm, that was my Abby for a little bit. I had his jersey. <laughs> yes. My uh, daughter's birthday was the day after he got traded. So I'm linked to JHI forever. So I think that's kind of why I want to go that route. But dude, I don't think any of us thought he had that type of bruising, you know, Mike McDaniel talked about it, you know, been his press conference about how he sparked the sideline and get the offense, defense and special teams going with those uh, those hits. And I mean, that's the way he was. He was decisive. He hit the holes. I was a little surprised with his usage. I mean, him, him and Moster both got nine carries. But if you ask me today, which one of these guys was going to be that, you know, de facto RB1, I would be leaning towards Jeff Wilson because, again, he just looked like he had a little bit of, uh, you know, a different gear to him and looked hungry. And Mike McDaniel said, you know, uh, these guys were going to split carries. I think they're both starting caliber running backs. But when one of those guys has the hot hand, we're just going to stay out of his way. And that's what they kind of did with Jeff Wilson. So love it. I'm surprised he made that big of an impact. But, you know, compared to what we had with Chase Edmonds, you know, some of those other guys after Mostert, I'm feeling pretty confident in this run game. But again, Jake, we didn't literally mean bring San Francisco's run game to Miami. I don't know what it is, but I feel like watching this running attack is like watching the sequel of a movie but you're watching with a bunch of people who never saw the original because this is an offense. Like I've raved about this rushing attack for weeks. They average 87 rushing yards per game. That's the fourth worst in the NFL. I feel like I'm sitting here jazzed up about some sort of sequel. And everyone's like, this is awful. This is so awful. This is a team that's struggling to run the football. And all I can say in his response is, were you here? Did you watch Ryan Fitzpatrick lead this team in rushing? So that's kind of where I'm at. I, it really shocks me that, yes, the numbers are up over the last three games. The Dolphins are averaging 99 rushing yards per game. But overall, I mean, this rushing attack still isn't there for no matter how beautiful it looks. And it's kind of weird, too. The Dolphins are averaging more rushing yards on the road than at home. Does that make sense? Is it as simple as the weather is a little nicer, so you throw the ball a little bit more? <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. People people do these home and road splits and well, the defense says this at home and this on the road. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like, does it, does it factor in the opponents, you know, this, that, and the other, right. what, which quarterback was playing? You know, I know Tua missed a couple games at home, right? He missed the Vikings game at home. And the Bengals and then, technically counts. But that, no, that was on the, road. on the road. Jets was on the road. So he really only did miss the one the one game at home. But, you know, his first game back was at home. So he was a little bit rusty against the Steelers. So I don't know. I really don't know. All I know is that you're right. Watching the Dolphins try and run the ball the last few years has been just uh, it's like doing homework. Just just not fun. You got to push you, through it. Yeah, you got to do it. It's got to get done, you know, but it's just not fun to do. And the Dolphins don't rush for a lot of yards, but I mean, you got Tyreek Hill on one side, you got Jalen Waddle on the other, and Tua Tungavailoa is dealing right now. So 
I actually kind of get disappointed whenever they hand the ball off. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> uh, I want I wanted to see another 18 yard pass to Tyree Kill, and he squares up the defense and then just kind of shimmies out of bounds. But I love it. He's <laughs> his passing game is so good. Is basically what I'm trying to say is you don't need the running game as much, but those play actions they still work every damn time. So. I guess you got to keep him honest a little bit, but Jeff Wilson looked great against Chicago. I think he's going to continue to look great throughout the rest of the year. And he does allow Raheem Mostert to, to kind of rest up a little bit on the sidelines through portions of these games. And if fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever I need to do, if Raheem Mostert were to go down with an injury, cause he does have an extensive injury history, I would feel confident that Jeff Wilson would be able to slide right in and, and carry the load. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I like about both these running backs is they can do a little bit of everything, right? They can they can run the carry the ball. You know, we see him in the passing game. We saw Jeff Wilson, you know, as Tua said, it looked kind of like Reggie Bush reaching for that pylon. But then in pass protection, I don't know if you guys talked about it. I know Jake has it written down here, but there was a big third down play, I believe it was, to Tyree Kill, where, you know, he comes across the formation, lays a block on the defensive back, knocks him completely out of the picture. I mean, it's plays like that that go unnoticed at times and um, when you got a guy that can just come right in you know with such a short week I mean five days after being traded lead the team in rushing again we're you know so used to Ryan Fitzpatrick you know Mark Walton some of those other guys that you know have kind of been that like Jake said Ryan Fitzpatrick led this team in rushing unbelievably so I, I I'm excited to see where it's going but I think Jake's right you know this run game isn't quite where it's at and you know maybe it'll never be where we hope it is because you know the Dolphins don't seem to be one of those teams that are going to use a you know high draft pick or spend a a lot of money in free agency to get one of those type of running backs. We got a Mark I mean, Walton reference on the pod today. I really liked him and then he turned into a P- POS, but um, <laughs> yeah. that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, he was great for a game or two and then did some bad things. Go ahead, Jake. Honestly, I interrupt you. No, you're, you're good, man. I, I honestly, I mentioned this in the chat once. I mean, looking at the crystal ball of what, you know, the Dolphins are going to look like in the future. Uh, I'm shooting a shot right now. Would anyone be surprised if 1A or 1B next year for the Miami Dolphins at running back? I mean, Raheem Mostert's 31, Jeff Wilson, he's on a last year's contract. Obviously, if he continues to play well, he'll go out somewhere else. He hasn't played much this year, but but why is why can't Salvan Ahmed be the guy next year? Can anyone explain that? Because, I mean, you have that connection. He's signed as an undrafted free agent in San Fran. He's been with Mike McDaniel. To me, I see that as kind of an interesting, clear path. You're a dynasty guy, or you're just someone who likes to say crazy things and hope they work out. I mean, this is kind of one of those things. Well, correct me if my if I'm wrong, but I believe the issue with Savon Ackman has always been his pass protection. I don't believe mm-hmm. he's very good at at uh, you know blocking those free rushers coming up the middle. And when you got Tua, somebody who's had his fair share of injuries, and he's not a big guy himself, you really need that stout protection from those running backs. So I think that's kind of what's keeping him from being an RB one. But he's certainly a great complementary piece. I'd like to see him get more involved. I mean, I think that's kind of what we said a few weeks ago. You know, Miles Gaskins continues to show up on the inactive list uh, i thought salvin Ahmed would get a chance to show you know his worth so jake that's interesting to say but again um it seems like with mike mcdaniel you know it's just going to be one of these guys that can fits the system well and you know he's gonna ride the hot hand so excited to see the way it goes but uh salvin Ahmed, not sure why he hasn't been on the field more i think he has a whopping one carry for two yards nice. if i remember correctly um Before we take a break here, one thing I want to ask you guys about, and this is always fun to kind of reassess because you could go back on Twitter and relive any moment really just by like the waves of tweets. Um, Guys, should we separate Mike McDaniel, the play caller and Mike McDaniel, the coach? Um, We've had a couple weeks now where there's been some questionable clock management things. Obviously it's worked out. The team's on a three game winning streak. Um, It kind of seems like 
Mike McDaniel's playing some sort of Madden on rookie where he expects like, hey, we're going to get it down to 18 seconds and I'm going to call this touchdown play and that's just going to end the half. It's kind of like he's playing that sense of football. Um, obviously, the passing attack's been great. The running game's getting there. But but is there is there any concern with him being a coach, a head coach? I think it's fair to question his clock management skills, especially at the end of end of the half, end of the game situations. Um, you know, when it works, we're all we're all singing his praises, you know. Uh he had that little wheel route to Tyreek against the Lions, I believe it was, last week that worked really well to kind of kill the clock at the end of that one. But then against the Bears, you know, he he's throwing it deep or two is throwing it deep to 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 Waddle and that was a little underthrown and it didn't work out and then it was on the defense who had been sliced up all day long to, to kind of seal that one. And if the dolphins would have been able to get a couple first downs, maybe that wasn't the case, but you do, it is fair to question Mike McDaniels, uh, you know, his, his clock management, his, his challenge usage, things like that. Just things that, you know, frankly, he's looked like a rookie head coach in those areas. So yeah, his play calling has been fantastic. I'm not trying to ditch him. I don't want to trade Mike McDaniel for any other coach because what he's done for this offense has paid dividends in a big way already. And I, I, I want to see more of that, but I'm willing to give him time to figure out the other things that he's not as good at right now, again, being a rookie head coach. Uh, and that doesn't mean, you know, for everyone on Twitter, if you say something negative about Mike McDaniel or Tua or, you know, anybody on the Dolphins, suddenly you're you're a hater and you don't support the team. That's not how this works. That's not how real life works. You you, you praise them when they do well, you criticize them when they have opportunities to do better. And in those areas, clock management, uh, challenges, things like that, those, those strategic things, you know, going for it on fourth down all the time, you know, in some instances, that's, that's great. In others, you know, against the Steelers, probably should have kicked a field goal to go up nine points. Those are things he will figure out. And it's okay to question his decision-making skills in those areas right now. Doesn't mean we're less... Dolphins fans than anybody else, but I hope he gets better in those areas. I'm confident he will. And I'm still a huge believer in Mike McDaniel and very happy that he's the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I'm going to sound like a parakeet, but that's exactly the way I feel. I think it's a rookie thing. You know, Jake, you talked about in the last podcast. I mean, these just you expect a player, you know, to have their rookie hurdles to, you know, learn on the fly. I mean, this guy has never called plays in the NFL. You know, he's first time being a head coach. So I'm I'm willing to separate the two because what we've seen, like Merrick said, from this offense, Tua Tagovailoa taking that next step. The way this offense stretches teams vertically. I mean, we can you can look at the all twenty-two. I mean, the way it's set up. I mean, that middle of the field is wide open, and these guys. I mean, defenses are have no answer for it. So I love what Mike McDaniel's done since he came here. You know, we all had our list of coaches. I don't even know that I might have had Mike McDaniel on my list, but I cannot be happier with him being here now. But I do think you know we got to see him um, eventually learn, right? You know, he's got to be able to kick a field goal in those situations he's got to be able to uh you know challenge the play when necessary use some of those timeouts instead of burning clock like we see you know at the end of each half um so there's definitely some things that he can improve on but um i'm with you guys i am a mike mcdaniel fan love the way this offense looks and um it's definitely him out there playing madden i mean whether it's the players he acquires the way he runs this offense this dude is definitely playing real life madden and I think it's a worthy give and take. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this because there is a lot to like about McDaniel. The, the passing game's awesome. And I just wanted to put these two things together into context to get an idea. I mean, guys, Andy Reid's been in the league, uh, head starting 
a head coach for what, probably 20 years. I mean, for what the first 60% of his career, everyone would make fun of him for not knowing how to use timeouts. So, I mean, it's just kind of a one interesting thing to kind of keep in perspective here as we move forward. Obviously, no one, no one's over here calling for any sort of heads or anything like that. This is a successful football team. But yeah, Merrick, as you said, there are some things, you know, it's fun to talk about. But let's take a quick break here, gentlemen. On the other side, can Miami keep a four-game winning streak going against the Browns? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. As you all know, we're recording more podcasts, obviously bringing in boatloads of money. We're able to, you know, hire someone, a guy down on the field every week, like Merrick Brave. Merrick, this is the second week in a row. You were at a road game. You were part of the uh, the band crew, basically. You were helped break down the stage after the show. Uh, how was it in Chicago? The Windy City lived up to it lived up to its name. It was pretty breezy. Um, when I first got there, it was nice. You know, I'll tell you what, for the Midwest in November, it was like 55 degrees, uh, mostly sunny, um, and a slight breeze. I thought it was pretty nice, but as the game wore on and, and particularly where I was sitting, I was right in the shadows. It started to get a little bit colder. And then, and then, you know, sure as hell, when Jason Sanders went for that 29-yard field goal, big gust of wind, just like Mike McDaniel said. I don't know if that's true. That didn't actually happen. <laughs> you jinxed him, though. You jinxed him for sure. I definitely, I definitely messaged you guys. I, I get there early. I watch everybody warm up. And he was drilling those field goals from, like, 55, 60 yards during warm-ups. Like, dead center, straight down the middle, plenty of leg. Would have been good from 65 or more. And I messaged you guys that I was like, shouldn't be a problem today, guys. And then my very <laughs> next message said, I jinxed it. Cause it was right when he missed the 29 yard field goal. But I mean, what the hell is going on with him? We need to get that figured out. If you're the third highest paid kicker in the league, you better be the third best kicker in the league. And he is not, not right now. So not ready to dump him yet because like, I mean, who else is out there? It's not like there's like a Hall of Fame kicker sitting at home, like waiting for the dog. Warren Anderson. Ball, I mean, he, I might take him at this point, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. But Chicago was nice, you know, like um, different kind of person in Chicago. And I can say that being a Midwest dude and, and, and spending a lot of time in Chicago over the years. It's actually where I went to get trained to be a professional wrestler literally almost 20 years ago. Uh, cause I'm old, but, uh, man, those people are, they're different. I thought Detroit, it was my first time in Detroit. I thought they were going to be, uh, um, ruffians, so to speak, but, uh, no, that was definitely Chicago. There was a whole lot of drunk people in Chicago. A lady got stretchered out of the concourse in the first quarter because she <laughs> couldn't stop vomiting all over the place. So you just, Amazing. I am. And, and beers there were $14 a piece. Like, who's rich enough to get that drunk by the the middle of the first quarter? Like, just, I need an update on this woman, like, badly. I need to know what happened to her for, for the rest of the day. But She must have been watching the Dolphins trying to tackle. Yeah, I, I was feeling sick. Oh, man. Doing that as well. But overall, Steven Ross could afford all those beers, right? <laughs> maybe, yeah. And he's allowed to go to games again. So maybe, maybe he was just 
you know, feeding them to her. I don't know, but uh, it was a great time, you know, going to Detroit, going to Chicago back-to-back weeks. I would have preferred if they were spread out a little bit, but you take what you can get as a Midwest Dolphins fan. And now I got to remember what it's like to watch a game from home. So I'll, I'll do that Sunday when they play you the Browns. You poor, poor soul. How how can you live like the rest of us? Guys, you, you brought up Stephen Ross and, and something I just kind of want to talk about quick because I think one of the favorite thing people like to say on Twitter is the good old, you know, F them picks or, you know, the salary cap doesn't matter. And the Dolphins are kind of entering that phase, right? It's the second you send that first for Bradley Chubb and, and then you give him the contract, you're kind of quote unquote in, if you will, right? You're locked in. Uh, but I don't really think that's the case. And, and I just kind of wanted to bring up a, a point of how teams work around the salary cap and how some teams do it and some teams just simply don't. Um, we see it with the Saints every year. They're converting salary to bonuses. Simply put, bonuses do not get put on the salary cap. Instead, it's just right out of the owner's pockets. It's out of the way. It's out of the system. And when you look at the Miami Dolphins, nobody likes Steven Ross. Nobody, I, I get why people dislike him. He says some stupid stuff. He should never be in front of a microphone. He should never be around other NFL players. I kind of like but- Steven Ross. I got to interject. I do kind of like Steven Ross. And the only reason why is because I went to a game in Minnesota once. I had front row seats. Uh, we won by like sacking Brett Favre or something like that on the last play of the game. I don't remember exactly. And he came running down the sidelines and gave me the hardest high five I've ever gotten in my entire life. And I was like, I just touched a billionaire's hand. That's pretty sweet. So anyway, sorry to interject. Continue. That's Two catches though. passes That's... from Bridgewater and gets high fives from Stephen Ross. I, how do we afford to get him on this podcast? I've lived a charmed life, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> he never says no to anything. That's it. You just hit. The, you just made my point for me. Like for all the stupid things this guy does, and for all the stupid people that are in the NFL, Stephen Ross wants to win. If you go to that Dolphins facility, it is the most up-to-date, most beautiful-looking place in the entire world. These guys, the the amount of money he spends in this team. It's been incredible to see the uh, involvement over the years. I mean, we used to make fun of the Nick Saban bubble for being this crappy little thing where the team would practice when it was raining. Now they have a gorgeous facility. They still use a bubble type thing, but it is a brand new upgraded facility. And to me, man, you know, you think about the issues with Ross, but I also think about the fact he has never been afraid to spend his money. Right. And that to me, when you look at an owner and what an owner can do to help and hurt your team, this is like the, uh, you know, the, you got daddy's credit card. There is no balance on this there is no max and steven ross he's the fifth most uh fifth most richest owner in the league at 8.2 billion it's a shame robert Kraft just jumped over him but like that's just something to keep in mind you know we just saw last week jerome baker restructured his contract simply pushing money down the road simply turning it into bonuses where you can still manage that salary cap so that's my one little think piece in the middle of our show about hey steven ross yes he has done some questionable things but man that guy wants to win and and for someone who likes a football team to see him spend money that's all that really matters steven ross one spot ahead of uh, Shahid Khan of the Jaguars, um, who probably used to have more money, but he gave his son lots of money to run a failing wrestling company. Right, Josh? (laughs) Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Sorry. WWE all the way in this household. Wait, are you going, are you going to talk about Steven Ross? I was just going to say how I, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent about him. I'm like, uh, there were times in my life when I really despised him. And now, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize, like Jake said, he leaves no stone unturned, right? He's meeting up, uh, well, he did cost us a first round pick. So, uh, I mean, that, that hurt a little bit, but you know what I mean? He does everything he can for this franchise, uh, spends all that money. Is it possible? Can we just make him all bonuses and just make him pay all that money? Is it, is that like, (laughs) like let's do that. But like, I, I think like, 
obviously you want the middle ground of an owner who's going to not say anything and spend all his money. But I think I'd rather be in this scenario where you got to avoid that once in a while, that, that landmine, instead of being the Baltimore Orioles, where you're praying to God, you hit four good draft pieces. Otherwise your team's going to be nothing because nobody wants to spend any money and you're going to be flirting around that salary cap, not really pushing it or anything like that. Yeah. Stephen Ross has surely had, his share of mishaps as owner of the dolphins. And we could sit here and name them and we'd probably need both hands, all of our fingers and toes to, to get through it. But he does spend money. He does care about the Miami dolphins. He does want them to be, you know, super bowl winners at some point in his lifetime. And he's getting up there. So, you know, it looks like he's making a final push here and, you know, to his credit, this is probably the closest the Dolphins have been to having a Super Bowl contending team since Dan Marino retired more than 20 years ago. Yeah, my uh, baby's baby's stoked. She was cooing and con. I think it's going to be interesting when we get off of here and uh, breaking news. You know, Stephen Ross has to step down as owner or something <laughs> right after we right after we record this podcast because uh, it just seemed like a little bit ago some of the owners were trying to vote him out. Right? Isn't that what was going on? But um, you know, it, whether it was Hyzinga, now we have Ross. I just want whatever's going to get us ultimately a Super Bowl. And right now it seems like what Steven Ross is doing, you know, with Chris Greer, with Mike McDaniel bringing him in. I mean, again, like Merrick said, this is the best, most confident I felt about a Dolphins team in uh, quite some time. Amen. You sound very confident, Josh. Josh Could sure. you hear that? Could you hear that <laughs> toy playing behind me? I'm like. <laughs> it's They're making you say it with your chest you really got to focus in on what you're trying to say guys before we wrap up here let, let's get into a little bit of a preview action about the cleveland browns how can miami reach the bye on a four-game winning streak i mean every game in the nfl is important but man like this team has so much momentum going to fall flat on your face at home against the browns i mean you kind of lucked out where deshaun watson still suspended i mean this for it being just another game I, I can talk myself into being this can be like a real like palate cleanser in one sense or a real like uh, just page turner in terms of the success of the season. No, I think it's really important. And like, I hate to sound hyperbolic, but I felt like, you know, this, this stretch in the middle of the season, starting with the Steelers, then the lions, then the bears, then the Browns, we get a bye week and then the Texans. I felt like with the way the dolphins started the season three and three, that these were kind of all must win games. When you look at the back half of this schedule, not even back half, but the, you know, the back third of this schedule, when you go on the road to face the Chargers, you go on the road to face the 49ers, you have to go on the road to Buffalo. Um, you got another game with the Jets who are suddenly looking, uh, you know, like a pretty competent football team. You got another one with the Patriots and they're always a tough out. You know, this is and not to mention the Packers on Christmas Day, which looked a little bit tougher at the beginning of the season now is starting to to look like maybe uh, not a guaranteed win, certainly, but, you know, a little bit easier of a task, but it's still Aaron Rodgers. You know, these are tough games on the back third of this season. And I felt like starting three and three, you know, was a little bit of a disappointment after starting three and oh. So I looked at these middle five games and it was like, we need to win all five of these. They need to be must win games unless you're going to get some upsets later in the season, win some of those games that are a little bit more questionable. And so far they've taken care of business. Now it's been nail biters, all three of them, every single one, you know, Steelers, Lions had us in the first half, Bears almost came back and, and took us out at the end. And, you know, that's kind of just how this team's playing right now with the defense being as banged up and playing as poorly as they are. Thank, thank you know, the heavens that this offense is is shouldering the weight right now, especially these last two games. And hope, 
hopefully they're hitting their stride. And if Byron Jones can ever come back uh, and solidify this defensive bat group, then I really think there's something special with this team. But, you know, it's a one-week season every week. You know, that's what Mike McDaniel preaches to his team, and, and it's true. So they got the Browns coming from Cleveland down to sunny South Florida. I, I did a little uh, uh, weather, uh, you know, scouting earlier today. I'm not just a fake-ass doctor. I'm a fake-ass weatherman, too. And it looks like eight, 82 and sunny uh, in, in South Florida this weekend, which uh, Cleveland, I can guarantee, not 82 and sunny this week. So they'll be feeling it in the heat and humidity down there. Uh, perfect time to get this run game cooking and and then have tire out that defensive back group of the Browns with, with Tyreek and Jalen. So I'm pretty, pretty confident heading into this one. But, you know, we were pretty confident against the Steelers, Lions, and Bears, and all three of those teams gave us a run for our money too. So we'll see what happens. But uh, there's just something different about this team where in years past, you'd, you'd know that letdown was coming. But it just – it feels different this year. It feels like this team – knows how to find ways to get it done, especially when Tua Tungavailoa is healthy and, and under center for the Dolphins. So we'll see. I mean, this is the nicest way possible. You sound like such a sucker as a longtime Dolphin fan. You sound like such a sucker right now that you're about to get owned so bad. I hope it doesn't happen, man. Oh, All I, I could think of is like, man, like I said this about Adam Gase. <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle any more disappointment or heartbreak. I always The Dolphins taught me in my life to – to not get your hopes up. Don't, don't, yeah. everyone always says hope for the best and plan for the worst. Nope, nope, I don't even hope for the best anymore because I know what's going to happen. And, and unfortunately, like you said, Jake, I've, I've fallen into the trap this season and my hopes are sky high right now. And, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know where the end of the road for this team is going to be, but I'm hoping it's not the regular season. I want to see him make the playoffs for the first time in six years. I want to see him win a playoff game for the first time in over 20 years. And and then after that, I don't know. I'm, I can't even, I can't even say it out loud <laughs> because anything beyond that would probably give me a heart attack. I thought we were doing the gritty after we stapled a trading card to our foreheads, right? Wasn't that what we were going to do? That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I'm with you guys. I mean, same old Dolphin fan in me a little bit, you know, still feels a little bit hesitant to just let go and almost trust fall. But it does feel like this is a different Dolphins team. And when you go into these games with confidence, you know, as a, a fan and as a team, I mean, you see the way the Dolphins are playing. So I think this is going to be one of those games where the defense shows up. I'm going to throw that out there right now. Defense, get right game. I mean, they practice against Jacoby Brissett, right? I, we all like to say... <laughs> revenge games but how many times did some of these guys practice against your Kobe Brissett so as long as they can stop that quarterback sneak up the middle I'd like the Dolphins odds here uh, Mike McDaniel did say every week is a challenge um, this is a lot greater of a challenge than people realize this Browns team is no joke they're a good football team their record is their record but for whatever it means I think they can be any team in any week and I don't say that about every team so uh, the Dolphins won't be overlooking this game again we talked about in the last pod it's going to be a whiteout so all those Browns fans are going to look like uh, turds in a, in a toilet um, uh, I don't know what I'm trying. I have oh, to keep throwing I, that reference I, out there. I like the I point. I like that you brought up that, you know, the turd part. Is that, <laughs> yeah, I love talking of about course. turd, big turd guy over here. I try but, to bring it up a lot with this whiteout. I, I really but, am pushing it hard. But speaking of turds, you know, the dolphins are playing Jacoby Brissett this weekend and he's not, he doesn't have the rushing ability of Justin Fields and, and the lions through the first four weeks, say what you want about them now, but through the first four weeks of the season, they had the number one offense in the NFL. So we saw a taste of that in the first half. And then the dolphins defense shut them out in the second half. You know, this, the Browns are beatable. 
and the Browns are not going to beat you the same way the Bears did because the Browns, while they run the ball really, really well, they run the ball well with running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. The Dolphins actually defended the Chicago Bears really well Mm -hmm. against the traditional rushing offense. You know, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, they didn't do much against the Dolphins. It was the Justin Fields show from start to finish. And, you know, again, Jacoby Brissett doesn't have that ability. So I feel a lot better uh, about our chances. You know, they have a a good wide receiver in Amari Cooper, and then uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is decent as well. David Njoku, here's my fake-ass doctor report, did not practice today for the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, he's another star player at the tight end position for the Browns. Big money contract uh, just this past offseason. And it his status will be questionable for Sunday's game. So I it, it's at home. You know, the, the weather will play a factor. And I just I feel like the Dolphins are going to show up for this one. They're going to play tough, knowing that they have the bye week. The next week they can rest up, get even healthier. Possibly, who knows, get Byron Jones back. And we'll see from there. But I like our chances this Sunday. That's the exact matchup I'm looking for. And there's such a huge difference from going from trying to tackle the inflatable thing that's outside of the car dealership that's flailing its arms everywhere and can be as elusive as all hell, or just running straight at a tree, which is what the Dolphins are going to have to do on Sunday with Jacoby Brissett back there. That is the biggest question, though. The Browns are averaging 150, 164 rushing yards per game, which is second behind the Bears. Obviously, the big difference, running back versus quarterback. The Dolphins have allowed two 100-yard rushers this year. They're both quarterbacks. It is such a weird thing. It is actually really frustrating. I mean, I think I'd rather have a running back gash me for seven per instead of seeing a a quarterback wiggle out of five tackles. Uh, But Josh, is there any chance Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, obviously you can rotate them out, try to keep them cool. Can the Dolphins melt them in the sun? I hope so. I mean, this is like you guys both have mentioned. This is where the game's going to probably be won and lost because this is what the Cleveland Browns like to do, assert their dominance in the run game. And like you mentioned, Jake, you you. I don't know if you had it in the rundown, but I feel like you sniped me on that one. I was so teed up for that uh, two 100-yard. The quarterbacks, Who's I was... The, which, I, I, I got you with I, one. Which running back has run for the most against the Dolphins? That, that I don't I know. know. I was trying to I find know this tweet. I know, oh. this, I know this one. Whatever. Yeah, you probably had it in know fantasy. This one. Go ahead. Let's hear it. It's Brees Hall. Yep. Oh, I should have known that. I think it was mostly on like one long carry, I believe. I'll tell you what, guys. I'm going to go out on a limb. I do predict 100 yards rushing from Jacoby Brissett because they're going to run the QB sneak 100 times in a row. Jeez. Josh, can you cut up that film for us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll do the every uh, drop back or whatever the hell that would be. That sounds awful. But I I mean, it's so cliche every week we sit here and say, you know, stop the run, force quarterback X to beat you with his arm. But I mean, that's exactly what we're going to do here. If we can take away uh, Nick Chubb, who, I mean, let's be honest, he's arguably the I, I'm hesitant to say the best running nope, back, but if I was getting ready to do a fantasy draft today, he'd probably be that guy that I might take at the top because he's just unbelievable. And then you got Kareem Hunt. I mean, he's a guy that us Dolphin fans were talking about gushing over a little bit. So um, I'm interested to see the way these Dolphins, uh, the defense matches up. We're going to get some Chubble and Chubb action. And uh, these linebackers, Jake, I know you're high on Duke Riley. The more I watched that, there was a play where Channing Tindall was out of, I was thinking about the one play where he actually stopped fields. There was a play where he was just lost in translation, Jake. So you're right about Tindall. So I, I want to see the way these linebackers can attack those running backs. Cause once you get past that, I mean, there's going to be a lot of daylight ahead. Tackling will be of the utmost importance. They're still the figuring Browns. it out. The TNT wall yeah. needs to come back. That has to be it. I think that's the difference. 
take it out of the dumpster behind the behind the practice facility. Uh, so this this is a very you think it. Look at this. Cleveland is averaging twenty five points per game, which is seventh in the NFL. Miami is two spots behind them, averaging just under 23 uh 24 points a game excuse me uh cleveland averages six less points on the road merrick i know you don't like this stuff the dolphins weirdly enough are averaging 18.3 points per game at home the fifth worst mark in the nfl we're getting played off the stage here merrick so as we wrap up here let me get the prediction open up the crystal ball for us i do think miami wins this game i just i like i said i feel like there's something different about this team and you know famous last words you might just have to open the monday pod with that sound bite there i do think there's something different about this team uh <laughs> now we're using that now we're using that audio instead that was much better oh god i hope you don't have to i really i really need a victory here um i just i feel like they're going to control I, I i've predicted some some pretty close games actually against the lions and the browns and i i was correct uh, in doing so, but I just, I feel a little bit different about this one. I think the Dolphins are finally going to put together uh, a solid performance on both sides of the ball. So I will take the Dolphins in this one. I'll take them by a score of 24 to 13. I'd like a nice little show up game from the defense. One touchdown, a couple of field goals, you know, keeping it out of reach the whole time. A nice little, you know, it's, it, we'll call it a kick your feet up game, 24, 13. You just kind of relax and enjoy doesn't the ride. That, doesn't that sound nice to not have to sweat it out until the very end? I don't know what that's like. I've never experienced <laughs> Joshua, you got any last thoughts before we wrap up here? Uh, no, the kids are just uh, causing the muck. I was just going to say the Dolphins are uh, four-point favorites and the over-under is 40 and a half. So um, I'm with you guys. I think the Dolphins win this game, Jake. We can give our final say uh, on Friday. But um, Dolphins win this, man. Seven and three heading into the bye. What a world we might be living in. Before we go... Before we go off the air, I do. I just want to thank. I want to get it out here on the pod. I want to thank Earl Mitchell for joining me on the Finsider Twitter Space on Monday night this week. Uh, you might remember Earl Mitchell of, uh, uh, you know, defensive tackle fame for the Miami Dolphins. He played a couple seasons with us. He's also a huge wrestling fan, so we kind of became friends, uh, you know, bonding over our, our love of wrestling. And then obviously I'm a Dolphins fan, so I thought it was pretty cool that, that he liked wrestling. And I got a chance to meet him when uh, he was playing for the 49ers. Him and George Kittle mm -hmm. came to WrestleCon, which which is a big wrestling convention that I was at selling, you know, black and red wrestling merchandise. And he's just a super cool dude. So when I was looking for a guest for Monday space, I reached out to him and he immediately said yes. And he had some fantastic insight on, you know, how a defense uh, kind of pulls together when they're getting gashed like the Dolphins did the last two weeks. And he had some awesome stories about Mike McDaniel uh, from their time together in San Francisco. So if you haven't checked out our Twitter space uh, on the Finsider Twitter account, P-H-I-N-S-I-D-E-R, I think I did that right. Beautiful. Uh, check us out every Monday um, at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. That's it. That's all I got. That is all we need. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I hope everyone out there is having a wonderful week. Merrick Brave, thank you so much. At mbrave13. Houts, Joshua Houts, be sure you're following him everywhere you can. Twitter, YouTube, OnlyFans, maybe OnlyFans. Who knows? But until next time, I hope everyone out there has a lot of fun. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins.